Hi, DT Radio fans. This is Vince. Today's episode is a special interview of a very important guest. We talk about many subjects, so many that producer Ben felt that we should cut this into two episodes. Sit back and enjoy part one of my interview of a Neptunian traveler. You're listening to Daily Turismo Radio. Here's your host, Editor-in-Chief of DailyTurismo.com, Vince. Welcome back to another episode of Daily Turismo Radio Show. Uh, we're broadcasting live from uh, Gardena, California, where there's uh, the blocks are filled with classic cars, but the new cars are all on the blocks. We have an excellent, great show today, a uh, lively discussion with a special guest star. Uh, we've got some 10-second car reviews, and I'll pull out my my crystal skull and make some proclamations about the future. Talk a little bit about technology. It's, it's just jam-packed with good stuff today. And as always, our producer Ben is hanging out in the back, and he's st still, still no pants. Um, and then we'll finish off with our final lap. But today, with special guest star, KBZ, in the studio, visiting us from his home on Neptune. KBZ, thanks for joining us today. And since your view is better, Pluto, is it a planet or is it not a planet? Neptune is a planet. Pluto is an insignificant speck. Okay, I think we know where KBZ stands in this issue. Uh, but <laughs> let's get off planets for a minute and talk a little bit about your first experience with, with Daily Turismo. Well, like nearly everybody else, um, I was reading Bring a Trailer. And uh, I'm, I'm not familiar with the site. Oh, it's this car site where they have articles about cars and they r they write about them a little bit. And then there's some really, really good comments. I'm sure I was looking at Elantia. Now, do you own a trailer? I uh, have rented trailers. Okay. So, so this is a trailer site. I live, live in a trailer. Oh. <laughs> yeah. On Saturn <laughs> for a while. Um, there was a, I, I got obsessed with launches at some point. And uh, at some point there was a Lancia, probably a blue one, and it was on that other site. And then somebody mentioned that there was one on the same exact one over on Daily Tourism. And, and they're, they're, what's it called? And there and it was and that there was an interesting write up. And so I went and checked it out. And I, I really never looked back. And um, y and and you you enjoyed the the experience. The witty banter, yeah. The <laughs> witty banter. Yeah. <laughs> who <laughs> wouldn't? The, the, the obnoxious commentary. I, yeah. I don't know who wrote writes that stuff either. You know, you know, at that point. Um, this is going back a couple of years, I guess, but you know there was some there was some very very good commentary on that other car site, and then uh, and that was very appealing. But yeah, but there was a but there was definitely this feeling of um, of you know if you didn't really know, kind of keep your mouth shut, and uh, that never yeah. happened over at Daily Tourismo because if you don't know what you're doing, you're perfectly welcome. Yeah, there's yeah. <laughs> well, that's because I think that that sort of rot goes to the top. The people who write it, my, myself included, I, I don't know what I'm doing. So if the this commenters don't, this know is why we get along so nice. <laughs> yeah, this is, um, <laughs> I don't actually have a driving license. I don't. I'm not, I'm not familiar with the concept. I'm sorry. Um, what is that? Yeah, exactly. Do, they, do, do how about a spaceship license? Um, you got uh, me. I have no clue. <laughs> <laughs> what about okay? So so that's that's Daily Turismo. Um, and then later on, are they are they going to sue us or something for mentioning them all the time? I mean, seriously. No. It's like why uh, it keeps coming up. Well, it's um, 
uh, will. Um, it's not a problem, right? No, it's 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 not a problem. I mean, it's just reality. It's like Mexico trying to reclaim back California. Okay. Right. It's it's the past is in the past, uh, and I hate to sound like a character from a Frozen movie. I don't want people to think we're, let it go. we're obsessed, but I mean, but it is what it is. You can't. Yeah, it's, it is what it is, and and that's sort of the the history of how okay, you know, y- you came to us, and I'm I'm at least it, I'm being totally straight with you. No, that's totally that, straight. I, I wouldn't I mean, expect anything else. Yeah. Um, but and then you you kind of started filling some. I'll say. Uh, you sent us a lot of a lot of comments, a lot of tips. I, I don't know if I sent a lot of comments, but I sent a lot of tips. Yeah, you, a lot of tips, yeah. and um, and then eventually we kind of we we invited you into the to the living room to say, hey, let's let's help with content, and you started creating the, the logos, and you helped massively with the redesign that we rolled out yeah. what, a year and a half ago. Your logo was rudimentary. I I I think I did that with MS Paint, oh, um, you know, in a, in a matter of five minutes. Uh, so it, again, th- when when Daily Turismo first started, it was um, you know sort of like a a, a shack down by the river, yeah. right? It, it wasn't a it wasn't a house, it wasn't a castle. It was something. It was very small. Uh, and then as time goes by, it's nice to see people who come and say, "Hey, I can help you with those graphics." And that was one of the things you did. And the the new logos, as much as a few commenters said, oh, "I like the old ones. They're really they're really kitsch." I don't know those people. Yeah. What's wrong with these people? But um, actually, that may have been me. I may have typed in with a pseudonym and, and said that just to just to annoy you. But um, to spur me, how spur me on? Spur me on exactly. Um, where did you learn graphics? How is that a? That's a great question. I don't think anybody's ever asked me that before. Uh, where did I learn graphics? I had a good friend um, when I when I moved um, first time I moved from uh, when I moved from. Um, from uh, Mars to uh, San Francisco uh, years ago. Uh, a good friend of mine was a graphic designer, and uh, I, w- I used to be an architect, actually. And so we hung out, and there's a lot of parallels between the two. And, and architects don't really get to, young architects don't actually ever get to do anything. Cause you draw boxes and put desks in, you know, move desks around on paper. It was just, it was it was nasty business. And, and But with graphics, I got to actually design things, even if it was just one sheet of paper. So it was very appealing. And Mac, Mac can, Macintosh computers had just sort of come out, and you could actually do things. Laser printers were new, and uh, it sounds very archaic. I realize that, but, <laughs> but I'm that old, and um, <coughs> uh, although not as old as you know Hans Blogger, but yeah, you know. we're gonna one of these days we're gonna we're chop wheel, him in half and wheel count him the in. rings. We should wheel him in one time. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that'll be fun. We should wheel us all in one time. <laughs> um, but uh, but it was a, it, the, I spent a lot of time. It was it was a good friend of mine, and we spent a lot of time together. And uh, you know, he showed me ropes on that, and I sanded his floor and it worked out pretty well i learned how to do that <laughs> stuff i worked my way through uh, uh i worked my way through law school doing that doing graphics okay yeah when i got out of law school i got a job as graphic designer making more than any of my friends true story i was i was making i was making more than all the lawyers i went to law school with okay so give me the graphics i want to talk about graphics yeah i'm here. sorry go ahead give me the the two second rundown on the narrow view on how do you create the logos, the little logos that go in the corner of, of all the posts. You've done 99% of those, and I've let you do them because you do a good job. Mm. I, I try to do them, and then they look and then horrible. To, and I have to fix them. And you come through and you fix them. Like, hey, yeah. Vince, how do you do it? How do you get the inspiration, and how do you actually do the – tell me a little bit about the to mechanical be manipulation. perfectly honest with you, I try and do the simplest possible thing I can because I'm lazy. <laughs> That's <laughs> – like I, I'll sit and think about it for forty-five minutes. What is the simplest way to get this across so I don't have to draw anything? And then there's a couple of them where I did have to draw stuff, and they came out really good. And I'm thinking, don't get good at anything you don't want to do. Now, is, is is this is 
alcohol behind some of these driving forces? Never. You're totally no, sober. I'm the wow. Greatest Good. guy you've ever met. But uh, but like the, I'm thinking of the cockroach one. I mean, I drew yes. the cockroach. I drew the cloud. <laughs> I drew the shadows. It took me forever. And I'm but, thinking, but, but that's one of the best. It is one of graphics. the best ones. I know this is the problem. But then there's the one that you didn't like or didn't use. The one with the multiple colorful cars. That took me about five seconds. Copy, 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 paste, paste, paste. Line them up. Change the color. Done. Right. And you didn't use it. And it's the, a really good one. Now the, you use it when you do fleets. Right. And so yeah. the problem like, with that graphic that is that why didn't you like that? So uh, so it didn't tell me anything. Right. The, the cockroach says survivor. It shows this this giant mushroom cloud in the background. It explains something about a car. It's emotional. The one with a little like cookie cutter cars in different colors. It's like, well, if I ever like had a, a bunch of a bunch of cars for sale, I'd use yeah. it. But it, it, it's sort of infrequent that we feature those like a big cachet of you barn do that sometimes. Cars. Yeah. And I will. Yeah. But those cars also look new. They look all nice and minty to me. So, oh, yeah, I guess so. if they were all like decrepit, if they look like zombie cars, I would absolutely use it for every barn find. But since they look new, it's like. Every zombie car has to look different. You can't make identical zombie cars. Hey, then they're clone zombie army. You can't have that. But but I didn't say this is going to be easy. If you're going to create award-winning graphics, and, and like, if you want you know that I award. You know what's what I liked? The motorcycle one. You know what? People the didn't get it. The car with one wheel. Pe- but people didn't get it. They're like, what does that mean? Well, it's two wheels. You're no, I knew exactly it. what it, it meant. And then the four-wheel drive with the four in a row. I like that one. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. the future classic. I like that one. Yeah, yeah, that one's yeah. got a good... And the Russian one, I like that one. <laughs> yeah. All the money ones. Do you know, my graphics are excellent. I didn't like the Russian one. You didn't like the Russian one? I didn't like the Russian one. He's he's Ukrainian. Oh, really? You can't hear it in the accent. Oh. Well, did, do Ukrainians make any cars? Because I'll do Ukrainian one. <laughs> <laughs> okay. He's KB easy. We're all laughing. <laughs> How do you do you edit that in or out? Does that stay? That'll stay. That's I'll stay. <laughs> Tell me uh, about your first car. What was the first car you owned, or what's your first experience in a car that really kind of solidified you as a as a car guy? Because like it or not, you are a car guy. I am a car guy, but I'm not. I'm not. I mean, I'm sort of a car guy. Well, I I, mean, I had a car in high school, but it was kind of a boring. You know, it was okay. I mean, it was a '72 Cutlass wagon. Was it hand me down or something? Hand me down. You know, I didn't appreciate it at the time, and um, my dad didn't find out for years that the time I busted open the gas tank, I was taking it off road. It's not really a good off road vehicle. Um, I told him I hit a pothole. Blah blah. blah. Um, there was a Volkswagen Beetle that we strapped a uh, piece of furniture to the roof of, and then decided to see how fast it would go. And then we found out later when we leaned against the the um, the fender that the parking brake had been on <laughs> and it was i think um my friend got a second degree burn from leaning against the fender so there was i mean but those are just hijinks and you know youthful indiscretionary things but not any much in the way of driving because the cars that we all had access to were just awful drivers i mean yeah what am i, I mean a cutlass wagon it's straight line and forget about a curve yeah but, but uh, what you so so okay you have the the Roadmaster, okay? This this giant. No, hang on, I wasn't done. I was just getting to it. Is there a time limit? No, no, we so we got all day. Don't sham me, man. <laughs> okay, wait. Can, it's, see, silence is just not radio. He'll, he'll edit it's that not out. radio. Okay. Our, our um. <clears throat> uh. So when I got to college, uh, friend of mine had this, you know, something I'd never seen before. This, you know, European, sexy, 
you know, performance machine with a little bit of rust. It was a 70. So I went to college. I guess I could just say what it was. I went to college in the early 80s, and he had a 77 Saab 99 EMS, Ooh. which, you know, at the age of six was already a rust-burdened cheese grater of a car. They're, they are terrible automobiles. The every, all four fenders were, were just ragged. And I always was afraid that I would, like, some point have to drive slowly past a crowd of people who were pressing on all sides, and I would rip thighs out. That's what I was expecting. It would not have made a good car for, like, the Beatles to arrive at a concert. It wouldn't be a good car for those scenes where they're slowly, like, like one mile an hour driving through a crowd because the thighs would have been shredded. You would have people, like, falling down with lockjaw. Like, there was a instantly. lot of leaking and water issues with that car, both from the roof, um, where I first learned how to make something on a on a on a milling machine because I had a, I needed a part that was 25 cents but you had to buy the entire assembly which was like $400 I needed this little plastic part so um, and then of course the, the rust from the but then of course the water problems from the inside out too so that car actually went up in a giant cloud of steam when some oil seal or something broke and um, I was somewhere between I don't know Washington and New York or something and it just went up in a <laughs> giant cloud of smoke it was so you bought this car water, from your friend? water everywhere. I bought it from, from, okay. a, from my friend um I, I, I was so naive. I offered him a couple grand for it, and he took it. And then his mom made me give him mo- made him give me money back because it was <laughs> I gave him too much. Um, the other no, thing this was, was this a wa- it was wagon back, right? No, it was oh, it was the sedan. Okay. Yeah, silver, orange, uh, orange um, seats. Uh, loved that car. I had so much fun. Um, the, and the funny story is when I got it, uh, he actually had somebody do drive away to deliver it. He's lived in Ohio or something, Indiana or whatever, and he had him drive it to where I was at the time uh, in New York and so I went down to get the car and then it just like I didn't even think you know wait a minute I don't drive a stick how am I going to pick up this car so I went down there and I just did my best and I lurched it home and within a f- couple of days I had it figured out but I had no c- I'd completely forgotten that I was going to have to drive it and I didn't actually really drive a stick at the time so yeah that, that's, that, that's which and a Saab of course great car to learn how to drive a stick on right what could go wrong there <laughs> kind of wacky shift linkage that like runs through the sunroof channels right? you before gotta, it gets to the transmission. Yeah, you got to cut the yeah. car in half and sew it back together to get the clutch replaced. Yeah, I don't know yeah. what was I thinking, but of course the answer is, I was twenty and I wasn't thinking. Yeah, no. But I liked it. You could flop the seat down and get a couple people in the trunk. Now, now was it that fantastic splenic red or was it a different? It was color? silver. Okay, it was All silver. Right. Yeah, that car got hit by a bus and survived. I wasn't in it. <laughs> I got hit by a bus. Um, yeah, it's a safety. There's even rusty. There's safety. Well, yeah, yeah, that's it, right? It made an impression on me. It drove fine. I, I, I was. I remember one time I was driving down some country road, and uh, the guy in front of me had a couple of ladders on the roof of his on the rack on his truck, and I'm thinking to myself, "Ooh, ladders! They don't look like they're tied down quite tight enough now, do they?" And next thing I know, thunk, 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 and the ladders are bouncing on the road, mm-hmm. and I'm thinking, as I'm hitting the brake, I'm thinking, they're gonna find me with a with with a ladder through the car, right, and my head. <laughs> about 20 yards down the road right cuz the oh. ladder's just going to like, get me right in the neck right through the windshield and i hit the brakes and i didn't know what was going to happen cuz i never really had to do a stop like that before and do you know what that saw did did it stop do you know what it did it stopped with zero fuss in a straight line it just yeah. came to a sudden no. controlled perfect short stop and i was in love that's what four wheel disc and a light car will do for you it just was i was yeah. that was that really got my attention yeah, which is it, why I never you, bought another Saab. If, if you want to buy one, let me know. I, I have one. It's gonna you be know, for sale. You know, a Saab ninety nine. It's like 
the EMS. Yeah. You don't want the turbo. The turbo, that thing's just going to blow up. Well, I've got a container things. headed for Neptune in a couple of months, so maybe you could uh, send it over. So uh, more on the subject of your cars, Roadmaster. Roadmaster, yeah. Tell me about the Roadmaster. H- how or why did you get it, and um, why is this Why is this one of your favorite cars? You talk a lot about the Roadmaster I, I, sentimentally. I, I like the Roadmaster for a lot of reasons. Um, um, first of all, there's the name. What better, what more confident name is there than master of something? It's an immodest name, right? It's not road, you know, champ or road boss, right? It's road master. It's top. He owns it. The the sedans have have that huge fat butt, right? The wagons are a little more svelte, even though they're bigger. But the the, the sedans have that really wide, you know, horizontal quality to them. Kardashian look in the back. And they always got my attention. And, uh, and I had a I'd, before that I'd had a um, uh, 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 a W126, mm-hmm. um, happened to be a 380, but still it went pretty well. And that's a pretty big car, and on the inside somehow it's bigger on the inside than it is even on the outside. And I liked big, and so I wanted to go bigger. It's like one of those Doctor Who um, t- telephone booths. Except that if it wasn't a, except that not if it wasn't a tele- telephone booth, but actually was like a 7-Eleven. <laughs> yes. And so it wouldn't be quite so surprising, <laughs> you know, how much room there was. So, uh, but anyway, I was looking for a big car and, um, uh, and I spotted this one on Craigslist. It was like 2007 or something like that. And it belonged to... This was before Daily Turismo. Oh, yeah, yeah I think yeah. so. I so just want to make sure you didn't buy a car not from Daily Turismo. Oh, yeah, no, 2007. Good. I think it's before Bring a Trailer. Good. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Should I have not... Quit bringing it up. I, I, you know, but there was eBay. Oh, there you okay, go. there we That's go. Um, uh, and it was for sale by this guy uh, uh, who who is a semi. I want to say famous because I like I like him. I'm going to say he was famous. Famous West Coast lounge singer by the name of Bud E Love. Do you see how that works? Yeah. Bud E Love, and he uh, he had this uh, gig in San Francisco where he would do. Uh, he he claims to have invented the whole concept of lounge metal. So he has a whole album that's a cover of Aussie songs in wow. lounge. And oh, I, if, sure I, if I if I if I if I had it at the tip of my tongue, I would I would sing a little sample. But you can imagine Aussie, you know, songs, Black Sabbath songs as lounge. So he uh, he became pretty well known, and uh, had gigs up and down the West Coast, and would have to you know put his gear and uh, you know he'd carry the drums, and he would drive up and down the coast, you know, do, doing these gigs. And the Roadmaster is perfect for that. So and of course he's he's not going to be standing on the side of the road in his in his you know lavender tuxedo waiting for AAA, so he kept the car in good nick, and uh, so when I got it, um, why he was done with it, I don't want to get into, swell guy, um, <clears throat> you can leave that to your imagination, but uh, in any event, it was in really, really nice shape, and uh, I've kept it that way, and uh, it's a beautiful car, the lines are great, if you if you would just Google it up, and look at an image of the taillight, and the way those lines come sweeping down, and they kind of intersect each other, and there's the, that's where the, t- I mean, all the lines line up, right, and you look at some of the taillights they make today, Right? And uh-huh, you're thinking, yeah. who, who, who signed off on that? You got a little flap of metal and a little flap of plastic, yeah. and they don't line up. And there's like LEDs, and yeah, this is just Nissan. It's like, they, they've gone Picasso with their taillights. I, I don't know what they've done. It's just they've gone like random. It's it's random, and but the but this is so composed and so orderly and so just I don't know. It's serene. It, it's 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 it's, it's I, every time I look at it, I smile, and okay. I can't say the same about you, Vince. <laughs> Okay, on that note, when we get back, we're going to talk the technology corner, and then we're going to play a little Nostra DT Amos. 
you're listening to Daily Turismo Radio. So in this next segment, we we call it Technology Corner. Okay, so uh, in and this is going to be a, a regular feature in the Daily Turismo Radio show, where we're going to pick how a do technology. You, how do you know subject. it's going to be a regular feature? Um, because I can see the future. Is it that? The, is it good? I can actually see the future, and that's the next segment is the Nostradamus segment. But we're not there yet. All right, I'm just so you're ahead of yourself as usual. I'm just challenging. It's a whole I'm, just, time I'm always challenging thing. you. I am. I am challenged on a regular okay. basis. All right. If you weren't up to it, I wouldn't do it. You know that, Vince. Today's technology corner subject is OBD1 versus OBD2 cars. You said that too fast. I don't even know what you're talking about. <laughs> so, <laughs> this is... Uh, I heard OB and I was like, oh, a Star <laughs> Wars segment. I did I did say OBD1 <laughs> See? versus OBD2. He's a, he's the little droid. Uh, so, in the 90s, in about 1994, Six through ninety nine, there was a transition from the onboard diagnostic one requirements to the onboard diagnostic two, uh, and with that difference came a, a slew of. <laughs> we gotta be more selective. <laughs> that wasn't nice. Go ahead. I'm, it actually is very interesting. There was a, there was a there was a slew of changes <laughs> that me. happened that happened in in, in cars, and uh, where did those come from? By the way, lawyers. Yeah, it was the the I'd say the environmentalists and the um, this a, a general um, there was probably some consumer lobby as well. Okay. In that the the onboard diagnostic requirements are they do help the consumer in that you can take your car to anybody, any mechanic, and he can hook it up and read the codes. While before that, a manufacturer before OBD one requirement, a, ma- a manufacturer could have anything he wanted in terms of those diagnostics. And so he could therefore charge a million dollars for his diagnostic tool. And then right. when, you're, when your Ferrari broke, you had to take it to that Ferrari dealer. You couldn't take it to the guy down the street. But I thought that, whole, sells that whole thing has gotten worse lately, that there's more well, of it lately because, because so much stuff is electronic as opposed to in the 90s. You could actually – what am I missing here? Okay, Timeline's so, fuzzing so, on me. So what, what you're missing is that the onboard diagnostic portion of the cars, which it's still inactive today, that only deals with emissions equipment. Okay, and that it was a requirement for that emissions equipment to tell the driver when that emissions equipment was not functioning. And you got a little check engine light that would come on in your car. And that started, I forget when OBD1 came on in, in, I'll say in the 90s or late 80s. And the requirement was that, um, and and that was strictly to stop people from driving around in cars that were polluting too much. It was a pollution control measure. And when that check engine light comes on, the first thing that a average car driver does is think oh my my engine's gonna blow up I, I i need something new well in reality there's nothing wrong with your engine it's just that it's polluting more than than it expected and it's detected it and uh great you take it into a dealer and it probably helps the air quality you know that as you're familiar with neptune the air is not very good when you've got too many polluting yeah, too many hydrocarbons i dislike being manipulated and uh that feels like that's what it was it certainly yeah. was, and I mean, it, it is I'm, today. The stories about people going in because they got a check engine light and it's because their gas cap was loose. Yes, uh, that's very common. Yeah. Uh, it happened twice with a, my wife's is car. Is that for real? No, that's, for, that's real. Yeah, yeah that's real. Uh, if you don't tighten the gas cap down, the emissions uh, light will come on. And in fact, in my wife's car, it's not just the emissions light that came on. The anti-lock braking system warning light came on, as well as like traction control system li- warning lights all came on at the same time. And when she called me up at the side of the road and told me this happened, I assumed it was some major, major electronic glitch. 
you know, like like the the, comp- the whole wiring harness, electromagnetic pulse from Skynet. Well, or the mm. the um the whole wiring harness had been you know eaten by rats or something, and so she took it to the dealer, and then the dealer told her, oh, you need to put your gas cap on. So, luckily, the car was under warranty. See, it didn't this cost is the kind of thing that makes people want to just not drive cars. Well, and and, not and we're heading anyway. in that direction, right? With these Google yeah. cars, these autonomous cars, I and I don't trust them. And it's you shouldn't. I trust don't them. want a car with stuff. I don't. Okay, I right. don't. I want an older car. I'm done with stuff. I'm done with a car that I can't that will lie to me. I'm done with it. I will not be buying a new car from a dealer ever again. And it will not, if I can avoid it, be buying anything new. Anything newer than like you tell me what year, Vince. So if you're willing to take a risk, I'd say newer than 2004. What kind of risk exactly? So if you're willing to sort of roll the dice and assume that you're like can communication, some of this really complex stuff where you have different computers talking to each other, if you're willing to say, okay, that, that, won't, that won't break and cause some massive cost, I'd say earlier in 2004, five, maybe even six in some cars. No, I'm, not, okay. I, I, I'm uncomfortable with that too. Then, I want to go older. In that case... This OBD one versus two, and this is perfect okay. because I think cars should be mainly mechanical. I, now I agree, and we're actually gonna—I'm gonna bring that up later. But for now, okay. In in the '90s, this change happened, and and what, uh, what the the upside and the downside was that this new OBD two came on with new codes, with new ways of looking at um, your these emissions equipment and what went wrong. Um, and for instance, on BMW's M3, in 1995, if you buy one, it has the OBD1, and in 1986 through 99, this is the E36 generation, you have the OBD2. Now, with that, it comes the engine has a little more, um, a little more torque, slightly bigger engine. There's the diagnostics give you some, I'll say, better information on things that are going wrong. But the OBD1 cars. If you're, say, a hot rodder and you want to put some giant exhaust on it and you want to get rid of the catalyst and you want to you want to go fast, it's much easier to do that and not have this light come on. OBD2 yeah, is Yeah, because very... if I'm going to slap a bunch of stuff on there, I'm worried about a light coming on. Well, so... If you know how you... I know how to solve that piece of, piece of gaffer's tape. Except that in California, every You get caught with a piece years, of gaffer's tape on your dashboard, you go to prison? Every every two years, um, the the... The, the the powers that be the the net the Neptunian GCHQ will come after you, which you should know about this. If you try to get that car to pass smog test and that lights on, it's game over. Ben, have you got any tinfoil I could borrow? I, I, do, I do, and Vince, I know places here in Gardena that will take care of the smog for you. Don't even worry about it. <laughs> Gardena. Gardena. Cardena, um, they should call it. Cardina, yeah. That's what I'm going to call it from now on. But OBD2 brings with it... I got it a car problem. I got a car problem. I got a particular kind of car problem. <laughs> I need to take it to... I'll take care of it for you. Don't even worry about Cardina. it. Cardina. Just bring it to me. I'll take care of it. Don't uh, even worry about it. What do you it. need? What do you need? <laughs> this is where you... <laughs> I got this neighbor that I don't like. Can you take care of that too? That's a New Jersey problem. Awesome. Uh, so my opinion is that if you're looking at cars in this uh obd1 to obd2 change phase change uh you know this changeover you should always go for the, for the older car if possible and that's to avoid 
issues with your local authorities when it comes to your emissions equipment. Now, if you live in an area that has no um, requirements for a smog test, then the OBD2 brings with it some additional sophistication and additional ability for you to figure out when something's wrong that might be useful for you, like if a spark plug went bad. You can find that out with the OBD2 in you a know, more accurate fashion. You know, on Neptune, um, the certain amount of hydrocarbon emission is required, fairly large amounts of it, in order to maintain the atmospheric density that we all rely upon for our floating cities. Um, but all seriousness aside, um, put this into the context of what I did with my, uh, my 540 when I was looking for one. And uh, I have a friend who's got a 2001, 2000, 2001 M5, and he was grumping uh, about the about the Vanos because he had to buy solenoids and he couldn't buy one. He had to buy eight or s- something, and they were stupid expensive and That's blah blah Vanos. blah, right? And then I'm looking at the so I'm look so I bought a 98, and I one of the reasons I jumped on it was my understanding was that was the last year uh, before the Vanos, so I got all the whatever they had fixed. Um, but I didn't have to, and you know, yes, it was a, yes, there's more horsepower and blah, blah, but I, I mean, I need more than what I got with that. And, and, and I didn't want it. And so, so whether it's OBD or Vanos or the next a lot of other things, yeah. it's like, there's always a bigger fish. OBD one. I win the, I win the star Wars circular reference. I do. <laughs> that's, that's. That's what do I win, Vince? What do I win? <laughs> a copy of our home game. <laughs> so, okay, so I'm going to throw this out since we're talking about future and, and cars in the future. And everyone's talking about how cars are going to be autonomous and they're going to be self-driving. And there's this, this pipe dream of the self-driving car. You get in, you press the button, and you go. And, and I want to throw this by you because having you know some background in law and understanding of, of, of lawyers and generally of how people can um, – uh, cause issues from a, I'll say this is a liability. I'm, I'm saying from, from a liability perspective, I don't think the self-driving car will ever take off because when you sell a car and let's say you sell, let's say you're, um, you're Ferrari and you're selling some crazy fast supercar. Okay. Now people are going to die from that car. And whether you're selling a minivan or supercar, there are people are going to die in accidents caused by drivers of those cars. And if you sell a car and someone drives off the lot with that car, all of the liabilities on them, if they run someone over, it's their fault. Now, there's probably some, if, if you have an unsafe car or if you have a particularly fast car, there's probably some kind of, I, I don't know how to describe it in a legal term, but there's probably some liabilities kind of transferred to the original seller in some fashion. But when you sell an autonomous car, and there's going to be a time when that autonomous car is driving down the street, and a bunch of kids are going to jump out in front of that car, and that car is going to recognize them as kids, and it's going to see a solid object to the right. And it's going to have to make the decision whether it should run over those kids or that solid object to the right, potentially killing you. Okay. Now, a software person is going to make this decision for you ahead of time. Okay. So whatever happens, happens. Either you get killed or those kids get killed. And now, someone's next of kin is going to go after not the driver of that car, but the company who made that car, the company who designed that car, and say, this company, who's got these big pockets, killed my XYZ, yeah. my dog, my cat, my, my sister. And this is what's going to really cause the, the self-driving car to be uh a it's it's something that'll never happen well it, it it's certainly not going to be the first time in history that that questions of liability have determined the course of product development um in fact that's probably the main thing that ever does um you know all sorts of i don't know self-firing guns and stuff have never made it to market because 
um, you know, it's better if it's better if there's you know volition somewhere from a human rather than a, than a robot. So you're right about this, and in, in fact, I know you know how I know you're right is because I read about it also. Uh, I read about that what you're describing independently recently, and for something to get on my radar, you know, up all the way up there in Neptune is um, means that you know it's something that really is an issue because uh, um, I you know don't really read anything, but uh, that I'm digressing. So, but yeah, it's a big issue with those things, and so so a Google can afford a bunch of lawyers. Um, they can, they can afford lobbyists. They can figure out how to make those laws work around it to the point where th they'll push it as a public benefit of some kind and say it's worth it to have these cars. Um, um, we can show a track record, even though occasionally somebody gets run over. It's safer than cars. It's safer than the cars where where humans drive them because humans are you know not as smart as as, as artificial intelligences. Um, but uh, you know the lawyers. Uh, are sophisticated enough to figure to figure it out, and they'll find a way. They'll they'll limit where it can be used. There will be I, one thing I read was that the first place we'll see the autonomous cars is on the freeways where they'll uh, where they'll chain up and they'll take one lane that's sort of set like a carpool lane, and if you want to be in that lane, you have to sort of get in a bumper to bumper, you know, centipede like thing with a bunch of other autonomous cars, and then when you come off of that lane, you gotta you know wake up and drive. I I think that the uh, Tesla already has an autonomous freeway mode. Well, Volvo's working on that too. Um, uh, some of the trucks are almost completely self-driving right now. Yeah, well, it'll follow sort of a lane. Yeah, it'll follow the car in front of it, stay in the lane, yeah. and then if you hit the blinker, and honestly, if you took your hands off the wheel, it would still go. No, and it does. Yeah. And it, if you hit the blinker, it'll then wait for a, an opening, right? And it'll change lanes for you, and then get in the new lane, stay in that lane, and pace the car in front of it. Yeah. Uh, they they will figure it out. There's money to be made. Here's another thing: Google's not going to sell you an autonomous car, ever. They're going to lease it to They're you. They're not a product company. They're going to lease it. No, well, nobody's going to sell you an autonomous car. They're going to lease you an autonomous car and own it. And then that way they can do constant updates. They can yeah. recall it if they decide they don't want to do it anymore. I mean, it's not going to be like just buy a car, fix it yourself in the shade under a tree, and then go for a drive like you're in a, you know, like you're in a, you know, 50s movie. It's going to be, you know, a, a, it's, a, it's, like, it's, like a, it's like anything else that you lease and use as a commodity. Um, why should you even have your own? You know, you share them. I mean, it's... It's it's gonna it's, it, the, the 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 world of tomorrow will look nothing like this. It'll look more like Neptune. Oh, it's like Neptune. I like this. Yeah. I like this plan. Yeah. yeah, I'm pretty sure Skynet already figured out what they're gonna do. Yeah, so it really doesn't matter. Yeah, it's gonna it's it's I, I'm not sure I'm not sure how much more complicated it is than 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 you you will be told what's available. You'll be given what you get, and you're built. I mean, you can't touch. Who's gonna let you touch programming that could potentially go from making one decision about life and death to a different one. I mean, oh, yeah, I'm going to totally hack my car. I'll be that guy. Yeah, they're going to let you hack it. Well, they're, they're, it's, people are going to hack their cars. They're not going to hack their cars. They absolutely are. They are not going to be able to. They, you, they will self-destruct if you hack them. I almost guarantee it. <laughs> I guarantee you that I you'll, have, you'll, you, have, you'll have fleets of autonomous cars, and you'll all of a sudden have they'll a check. guy in a Scion no. blow by you at 95. They're going to check against. They're going to do every, They're going to do an integrity check every time you turn it on. They're going to see is this tampering? Has this been tampered with? And it can be t it can be tested and shut off. They're not going to let you go. You're not going to be able to do it. I, for one, am looking forward to autonomous cars and these big chains on the freeway because I'm just going to get in you know some stupid fast car from the from the 90s and I'm going to treat them like a big moving chicane and just kind of weave in and out of traffic and then the police will arrest me and it'll, it'll be good times. That'll that'll go that'll go for a couple of minutes, yeah. It'll, and then it'll be, be over. It'll be over pretty quick. It, it'll be fun. Yeah, that's kind of life, though. You don't think you're going to stick General. out driving some car from the '90s? Well, they're not going to ban my cars of, from the '90s. Around okay? a bunch of gumdrops going down the road, linked together. 
if there's one thing I, I know, it's that the classic car, I'll say market, and the, the mechanism and things like SEMA, right, these organizations that are there to, like, the lobby um, to law changes, they're not going to let that that market, this multiple billion dollar market, go away for classic cars. So there'll never be a wholesale banning of cars. Depends on the road in the United States. Now they could ban them off the freeways. Japan, Japan is different. I, I don't know if you've um, you've been to Japan, but if you go there, most of the cars on the road are new. And the way they do this is they tax the uh, used cars, older cars. They have these tremendous use costs. If you want to drive a, a, an 80 Skyline, it's going to cost you a, just an arm and a leg, thousands of dollars a year to drive that mm -hmm. car. So the result is people don't drive them. They, they get rid of them, and a lot of them come to the United States now that they're, they're old enough to import. And that's something that the only way the, um, the, the authorities here in the United States could do that is if they started that same kind of taxing these old cars off the road. Uh, which I, I don't think is going to happen. I think it would be too unpopular. I think people are still going to drive Volkswagen Beetles. You know what's going to you know what's going to help? I'm sorry, I cut you right off. That wasn't nice. You know what's going to help is that kids today don't drive. That's true. They stop driving, so it's just you know like it's like so, so many. They wait for us to die. Like dinosaurs so, are going like to die. And so then many things in life, Vince. It's just a matter of time, patience. And how much time do the computers have? How much time do the computers have? How much time do they have? How All much time do we have until the computers take over? Compared to the computers, how much time do we have? Zero. How much time are, do the computers have? All the time in the world. Are we horse enthusiasts in like 1908? Is that our problem? We are. We are. And all you have to do is take a drive, for example, from San Francisco to Los Angeles, let's say yesterday, in let's say a Roadmaster, right? And think, oh, there will be some interesting cars to see on, on 101 on this beautiful sunny day, Saturday, yesterday. And there will be people waving at me in my nice, beautiful Roadmaster. And you know what? There was nothing. Do you know what cars I saw yesterday? You do because I texted you, but I'm going to recite them because it was mind-gougingly disappointing what I saw on the road the yesterday. The beautiful Highway, highway on 101. Six hours of, of daylight that I drove down 101 from San Francisco to L.A. yesterday. I saw, are you ready for this? I saw yeah. one vintage Beetle convertible. I saw one BMW E30. I think it was an E30. I saw one, help me, what else did I see? I saw one old Ford family truckster wagon. I saw a, uh, hmm, I saw a, uh, a, a, a ranchero, I think. Uh, it's like a 60s ranchero. Um, and, um, and that was like about it. Oh, that was pretty much about it. I think I saw an RX-8. And like those were all the cars I saw that would have made it to DT. And everything DT, else by the way, for you out there, Daily Turismo. I um, haven't heard of it. And now the that rest was of the it. cars I were Priuses. They were, they were Corollas and they uh, were Civics. And I saw a lot of Honda Pilots, and uh, it was just mind-numbing, and I was, so, I was so disappointed. Hi, DT Radio fans. This concludes part one of the KBZ interview. Tune in next time when, when we talk 10-second car reviews, technology corner, and KBZ threatens to throw me down a flight of stairs. You've been listening to Daily Turismo Radio. You can follow the show on Facebook at Facebook forward slash Daily Turismo and on Twitter at Daily Turismo. Use the hashtag DT Radio.